Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is sponsored by Harley-Davidson. Benefit rights. Criminal records. Credit issues. Character of service. Discrimination. Legal protections. These are the type of cases and the stories filed within Vet Law. Vet Law. Vet Law. Welcome to Vet Law. I'm Phil Briggs. And on this podcast, well, it's going to be helpful if you're a veteran facing some criminal charges. We'll hear about veteran treatment courts and how Justice for Vets is trying to get them within the reach of every vet in need. But first, joining me in the studio is Kayla Jackson. Kayla oversees ConnectingVet.com's Get Help section. Kayla, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Always good to have you aboard. I know you're busy down there, but um, I wanted to ask what's ahead on future episodes of Vet Law? So what we have prepared for Vet Law is talking to real-life veterans and the attorneys that help them with their legal issues so we can find out solutions to their problems, how they got there, and share that information with our listeners. But not like just sort of highbrow theoretical conversation. These are going to be real cases, real vets. Exactly. We get down to the nitty gritty. We get down to their issues, what they've struggled with and experiences. So it's easy to understand, you know, the difficulty with the legal jargon. We take that out. And so we can really reach out to our veterans and give them the legal assistance that they need. Because it's not uncommon for a veteran to encounter a situation where they need a lawyer. And I'm thinking of like family law a lot of the time, right? Yeah, and veterans often don't think that they need legal assistance when they encounter something, but they can. We've actually talked to Ken Goldsmith of the ABA to tell us about the types of issues that ABA members' attorneys are helping veterans with every day. Uh, so the kinds of issues that come up may be an issue around uh, divorce uh, can be an issue depending on the circumstances coming back. Um, and, and so uh, are we talking about child custody, visitation rights, re- readjusting those sorts of things? Um, is it trust in estates and understanding what portion of uh, how, how is a spouse going to be cared for? Um, what are the rights of the, of the survivor in terms of, of you know, the programs that are available, how do they access them and so forth. Um, so for family law, uh, it, it could really be the same kinds of legal problems that everybody else is going to have. Um, it just might impact them differently by virtue of their service and their income mm-hmm. because they're protected by a certain part of the code. Yeah. And what I really like about that clip, Kayla, is that he says protected, that there are ABA member attorneys that are out there willing to stand up and fight for veterans because we are a protected class. And one of the things I know you're working on every day is seeing to it that veterans know where they can get the help that they need. Where can we go to find some of these legal resources? So you can go to our ConnectingVets.com section and look on Get Help. Um, and there you'll find the legal assistance category. You'll find a multitude of different organizations, um, attorneys, point of contacts that you can reach out to with whatever legal problem that you might be facing. 
resources available online, and uh, they can also call us, right? Yeah, they can reach out to us at 844-499-VETS. That's 844-499-8387. And they can talk to us, and we can link them up with the resources that, that can help them. Very cool. More than just a podcast, a place that cares about you and wants to get you the right resources. Kayla, get help. ConnectingVets.com. Always good to have you in. Thank you so much. Now, recently, reporter and host of The Morning Briefing, Eric Dame, spoke with the former Deputy Judge Advocate General of the U.S. Army, General Butch Tate, about veteran treatment courts and how these are helping vets with criminal legal challenges. Now, General, the the goal of Justice for Vets is to make sure there's a veterans treatment court in reach of every veteran in need. Who needs veteran treatment court? Who are the veterans who you guys are are trying to assist with your work? Yeah, another another great question. Um, We we do. We want to, you know, we want to assure everyone that we want a court within reach. Not every county, not every every jurisdiction uh, needs to have a veterans treatment court, but the important thing is there is that there is one in reach of every justice-involved veteran who would benefit from the, the treatment that exists with these courts. So we're, we're looking for, and, and the courts define their own eligibility criteria, but, but typically we're looking for someone who has served in the armed forces, who has been impacted in a way that either through PTSD, TBI, substance use disorder, some other trauma from their service that warrants them receiving uh, treatment versus incarceration when they commit an offense. So it's, it's a program that really does meld treatment with intensive supervision. It, it ensures while doing so that, that we, we promote public safety and as I often say, and many of us at Justice for Vets say, it, it really does, those courts do three things. They restore hope, they, uh, they unlock potential, and they, they promote this lifestyle of recovery. But importantly, they go after the treatment aspect and not just focus simply on incarceration. Because some of these men and women, to, to be sure, Eric, the reality is that the vast majority of our veterans are, are, are strengthened, they're emboldened by their service, but, but honestly, any veteran listening to you knows that they are all impacted and all pay some cost for their military service, especially in the last nearly two decades of, of war. And the reality is that for some of them, they are impacted more than others, and they pay a cost that for whatever reason they just are unable to cope with, and that puts them on this path of risky behavior. And it's, it's PTSD, TBI, as I mentioned, all those, those underlying conditions that, that put them on this path, and it's, at that point, they, they come into contact with the legal system. And, and I just want to, you know, I, I kind of get a little bit soapboxy, but, but at that when you reach 60 years old, you just do that. And, <laughs> and, and the bottom line is, as a nation, we have a choice. Now, I went to the, the premiere screening last night of Ken Burns' uh, documentary, The Vietnam War, that, that, that starts this weekend. And it reinforced for me that the welcome I got when I came back from Iraq was unlike the welcome that my dad and his soldiers got when they came back from Vietnam. So we as a nation have a choice. And the choice is in the, jur- in the, in the legal system, when behavior or conduct of that 
veteran, brings them in contact with law enforcement and the courts. We have a choice as a nation. Do we, do we, do we acknowledge that this is a unique population that, that deserves and will benefit from a treatment-focused program, or do we just use the traditional court system that doesn't get at the underlying conduct so that they recidivate, they repeat the crime? You and I continue to pay to incarcerate them. At the end of the day, this veteran who served his or her nation never gets better from whatever it is that's troubling them. And again, this is a small population, Eric, of, of, of veterans who uh, aren't otherwise strengthened or emboldened. But, but you know, we've, we have to focus on that population. We have to bring everybody along. It's just like any unit. You know, again, to the E-12s I'm talking here. You know, you're only as fast uh, as the slowest member of your unit. So you've got to bring everybody along. And that's what, that's what we have a choice to make here is do we put in place a, a court system, a treatment court program that helps bring everyone along. And I, as you might be able to tell, I'm ab- absolutely convinced that that's what we have to do. And that's what these veterans courts do. We're speaking with Butch Tate. Butch is a retired major general, served as the 19th Deputy Judge Advocate General of the United States Army, currently working with Justice for Vets, an organization that is leading the national effort to put a veterans treatment court in reach of every veteran in need. Now, Butch, if there are people out there who are going to ask the question, this sounds great, but why just for veterans? Why not for everybody? Why is this sort of treatment not being made available to everybody and just aimed at the veteran community? What would you say to people who ask that question? Yeah, it's a, it's a fair question. Uh, first of all, you know, this is a form, veterans treatment courts are a form of what some call problem-solving courts that, that I think the better uh, description are treatment courts. We've had treatment courts in this country for 30 years almost. I mean, drug courts have been along, been around almost 30 years. DUI courts, juvenile crime courts, uh, family law courts, domestic violence courts. I mean, th- these problem-solving and treatment courts are out there for all others who, who have an underlying condition that is best resolved through those problem-solving courts tailored to the unique needs. So this is not something, you know, in, in fact, this is how a treatment, veterans treatment court started in 2008 with Judge Robert Russell, my personal hero up in, in Buffalo, New York. He was a mental health court judge who saw veterans more often in his court and finally said, hey, what, what's, the, what's going on here? What's the underlying set of circumstances? And that's when he took that, that group out of the mental health court and, and establish the Veterans Treatment Court. So those courts exist for not just veterans, but others who have an underlying condition, the treatment of which will, will not only address their needs, but, but, but save money, but will, will reduce recidivism. So again, treatment courts are out there. It's just that this is a unique population of veterans with unique needs, whether it's combat trauma, whether it's, as you mentioned earlier in the, in the discussion about this cultural shift, whether it's a matter of, of reintegration. So again, it's, it's not an either-or proposition. It's, it's, it's a circumstance where problem-solving courts do exist for others, and they have proven uh, and measurable dramatic positive impact for, for society. I, I'm telling you, this is, Eric, this Veterans Treatment Court movement and, and, and other treatment court movements have a demonstrated record of success and one of the most dramatic and positive reforms we could ever hope to see.
when you talk about that demonstrated record of success, uh, like how has that been documented? How has that been proven and researched? How have they shown that this is working? Because there are those pessimists out there who would say, you know, General, that story of you going to the uh, the veteran mentorship graduation is nice, but how do we know that it's actually working? So how do we know that it's actually working? Yeah, the the... You know, these are new enough where the data is still in its infancy. Now, that that sounds like, oh, okay, great, General, you're not answering the question, but but I'll tell the tell our listeners I really am because we we're we are an evidence based program. In other words, we want to do what the evidence says is best to do, not just kind of what feels right or what your gut tells you. So, we. We are we are certainly very very confident that the anecdotal information from from judges will demonstrate the success rate, and we look forward to more and more studies. The studies are underway now. There are some smaller studies out there with uh, with some use of comparison groups to show the success rate. So the there's certainly anecdotal evidence. There is there are some studies out there. And, and again, all you have to do is talk to a judge, a prosecutor, defense counsel, treatment official to see that these courts really do work. So it's just a matter of time until the, the body of research, the body of data is such that we can have our, some of our expert researchers uh, document those conclusions. So, you know, at this point, I'm, I'm just like any lawyer, you just got to trust me. But, <laughs> but, but fortunately, the, uh, the, the data is slowly but surely uh, starting to demonstrate what we, we believe all along, which... And again, I just urge everyone, go to a drug court graduation. I attended the Fairfax County graduate, their first Veterans Treatment Court graduation. I mean, it's just one of many I've been to, but emotional events that show, you know what, we're not just, we're not just changing lives. We really are saving lives. So that, that's what I can answer now for you, that, that the data is coming. Uh, it'll take some time. The researchers need, you know, certain things in place before they reach those conclusions. But I am confident that what we've seen thus far will play out in the documented research. Now, General, as someone who worked, of course, in the military justice system as the 19th Deputy Judge Advocate General of the Army, uh, being an attorney, being a JAG before that, what are some of the legal issues that you notice now as a civilian and a, and a veteran seeing veterans face, and are they similar to what you saw the active duty military members facing during your time in the JAG Corps? Yeah, um, you know, the the UCMJ, Uniform Code of Military Justice, is is very similar to any other criminal code in a in a state or or the federal government. So you do see some of the same crimes being committed. I would suggest to you that you you see uh, a greater in incidence of substance use disorder related crimes in the in the civilian culture because again you, you can't get many of those under your belt in the military and, and still be in the military but there, there certainly are some similarities. Um, I think another example you see is uh, with with crimes of violence. Um, the documentation suggests that, that PTSD and TBI could lead to an increased occurrence of crimes of violence. So I think the short answer is, yeah, there, there are some, some similarities in the, in the crimes committed aside from, of course, those typical, you know, what are military-only offenses uh, covered by, by the UCMJ. Right. Are these veteran treatment courts only available to those who uh, have an honorable discharge, uh, you know, those folks with what's called a bad paper discharge, those who are maybe kicked out of the military? Are they eligible for these programs as well? Are there any limitations? Who is it available to within the veteran community? Yeah, 
So you really, Eric, you, you've been doing some reading, man. These are all very, very good questions. So <laughs> I, I commend you for that because it, it aids in your listeners' understanding of, of the, the space here. But yes, they, the courts decide there's, there's no one uh, right solution to all this. Courts are given and take the discretion to, to define a court that best meets their circumstances and the needs of their population. Some courts will not let you into their system if you have an other than honorable discharge or a dishonorable discharge, which is you know, administered pursuant to a court-martial. Why is that? It's because you are then not entitled, with some exceptions, you're not entitled to uh, care by the VA. So that means the local community has to absorb uh, the cost of your care. So that's why we all need to take a... The policymakers need to take a serious look at the benefits that still should exist with another than honorable discharge. And I get it. I, I understand as, as a lifelong prosecutor that some service members absolutely deserve that other than honorable discharge. But that cannot be the default position. As a leader, I look back and I, and I think, did we put young people on the street with an OTH as too much of a default position, not realizing the lifelong impact of that decision, especially if that OTH is the result of conduct motivated by uh, an underlying condition related to their service. But yes, to, to answer your question, some courts do not allow you in with an other than honorable discharge, and it's really driven by the care that's available. My response to those courts is your system is going to have to provide care for this person anyway, right? If somewhere in your court system, somewhere in your social uh, structure and network of your community, you're going to have to provide care. Let them in your court where they'll be surrounded by a mentor, they'll be surrounded by other veterans, and they will have improved outcomes. But you're, you're I mean, it's a, it's a great question. We've been speaking with uh, Butch Tate, retired Major General and 19th Deputy Judge Advocate General of the United States Army, who is currently serving the veteran community with Justice for Vets an organization dedicated to transforming the way the justice system identifies, assesses, and treats our veterans and are leading the national effort to put a veterans treatment court in reach of every veteran in need. Now, you told us earlier how you got in touch with Justice for Vets uh, by reaching out through their contact form on the website. If someone out there, maybe a retired JAG officer, former JAG officer, uh, attorney who uh, became an attorney after they got out, anyone is interested in, in joining the work that Justice for Vets is doing, or a veteran who uh, may be hoping to get the assistance of Justice for Vets, where can they go and what can they do to reach out? Yeah, it, you know, we have a great website that has uh, better articulated information than I could provide you this morning, for sure. But that, that website, uh, justiceforvets.org, or we, we are a division of the National Association of Drug Court Professionals. You can go to the website and then link down to uh, the to, to Justice for Vets site. provides a significant amount of information about how to get involved, how to join NADCP. The other thing I'd offer is to go to, uh, if you have a veterans treatment court in your community, just reach out to the court and say, hey, I'm interested in being a mentor. And, and Eric, I hope you got just another minute for me to talk to you about the mentor program, because that's the secret sauce. We've got about a minute and 20 seconds until we need to go. So you I'm can go it. right I'm ahead. I'm on it. Okay. So the, the mentors are what distinguish these veterans treatment courts from other problem solving courts. These are, these are veterans who volunteer their time and energy 
to be a battle buddy, and I'll just leave it at that. They're a battle buddy with every justice-involved veteran. They connect them to services. They answer questions for them. They drive them to appointments. This is an incredibly committed group of veterans, because let's face it, nobody understands a veteran like a veteran. Nobody will respond to a veteran like a veteran, and nobody appreciates what that veteran is going through like another veteran. So hats off to the veteran mentors who make these courts special. Hats off to the VA's veterans justice outreach officers who are in court connecting these veterans to services. And by the way, Eric, we now have one veterans treatment court on a military installation at Fort Hood, Texas, and we're working very hard to expand that model across. There's no reason these courts couldn't exist on military installations to help those service members transitioning to give them a soft landing. So thanks, brother, for your time. I am grateful for this opportunity to share with your listeners, and I want to thank them for being a part of this conversation as well. That was Morning Briefing host Eric Dame speaking with Major General Butch Tate from justiceforvets.org. If you're a veteran in need of legal help, you can find more resources in the Get Help section of ConnectingVets.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.